0: So, you're all part of the same mercenary company.
1: Oh, fuck this! <laughs> nope, I'm leaving. What? not? No? C- no. Come
0: on, Alex! house of bards i'm beth
1: and i'm alex
0: and yeah game starting cliches we're a podcast about um shit what are we a podcast about
1: uh role playing (laughs) role playing
0: yes thank you had a brain fart um but yeah so this was requested Uh,
1: i believe it was requested although it being shoved into our big tank of ideas i have no idea who it was requested by possibly we should have a column in the table for keeping track of that.
0: Uh, yes, we may have to. But yeah.
1: That said, if you do want uh, content generated by you and attributable to you to be put into the podcast, um, at some point we'd probably like to do some kind of like, Q&A episode, wouldn't we? Yes, that would be awesome. Where we could awesome. answer all of your questions. But obviously, in order for that to be worth doing, we need to receive a volume of questions than it, that is higher than just like stuff that we could answer on social media
0: absolutely and it can be about writing it can be about role-playing it can be about tabletop games in general it can be honestly about... at
1: this fucking point it could be about comic books or dragon age yeah like or even like off-handed jokes about magic the gathering yeah you know we're gonna answer that shit
0: <laughs> yeah well well yeah so it can be you know any question if we feel that yeah, sure, I'll answer that if we've got a we got a good answer we'll talk about it. I think. So yeah. But anyway, non-clichéd game starts.
1: Yeah, so that's kind of a weird thing to bring mm. up. So like what exactly are we talking about when we say non-clichéd game starts?
0: Mm. Well, first we must define the parameters of what the cliché is.
1: I think we possibly also have to define what a game start is as yeah,
0: well. Yeah, obviously. Uh I, the game start is it's the start of all scenarios that will run with this group. It is the beginning
1: of the campaign itself, which yeah. is honestly a very important part of the role playing experience as a whole, because mm. it's the establishing context. Um, it's generally like a position where all of the original mm. characters in the campaign are going to be meeting up with each other and mm. having their first impressions of each other and stuff like that.
0: Yeah. Um, which
1: I suppose makes it confusing for many that so many d m s are just utterly apathetic about the whole yeah thing,
0: I mean, you know, you might have a great middle, you might have a great end, but you're like, well, I need to get all these characters in one place under the same roof and get them talking to each other, like
1: which can be difficult, because yeah. often players will create an unexpectedly diverse band of characters, Absolutely. and it's like. Why would these people ever work together?
0: I know, yeah. Which is my scenario in a nutshell. Um but yeah, y you, you know, like a Game Start should, in theory, one, bring multiple characters together for maybe the same reason, not necessarily, but it should put multiple characters in one place at the same time, to the point where it's convenient for them to work together or where they might as well work together basically yeah. so that's why taverns are quite popular because people go into taverns and I, I...
1: find that the tavern thing is kind of, of flawed because it's yeah. like not all characters would have a reason to be no. in a tavern well, yeah that's and why it's flawed upon yeah. meeting each other in a tavern, there's no real guarantee that those people would then decide subsequently to work together.
0: Mm. You know you kind of need some world building and context behind the tavern I feel it can't just mm. be a tavern. Maybe it is a place where adventurers meet and go to get jobs. Maybe it is an agreed meet-up place by a specific person. Maybe it's a point of interest in itself. Maybe there's some wacky shit going down.
1: Bear in mind also that whatever uh, context you choose for the beginning of the game is going to be the first impression on your players as to what exactly is normal um, within the universe that you're setting up. So For instance, in Obsidian's Pillars of Eternity, there is an adventurer's guild kind of thing, where there's a big tavern that essentially acts as a base of operations for all adventurers. And um, Pathfinder, I think, does something similar with the Pathfinder Society. The thing that your players then see, like the first thing that they see upon uh, the game starting is institutionalized adventuring is a thing in this world. Mm. There are... um, It's not just sort of like a a thing that ephemerally happens within the populace, based on like the humans and demi humans um, relationship to the like the wildlife or something. It's it's actually sanctified within social institutions like guilds or uh, private companies. Yeah, people are able to speak about it, frankly, Mm. Um, which is not necessarily a bad thing. But then, of course, you have to pay attention to. The effects that that would have on what does and doesn't make sense in your world Mm. so possibly another reason why people like the the, the tavern meetup uh, start so Mm. much is because it implies basically nothing about the world that you are in except that alcohol exists yes (laughs) which is an assumption that i think can be generally made uh quite safely Mm. um but because c- for instance in in the tavern world, it might be that adventurers guilds exist and that you're just not in one, yeah, um, but that doesn't have to really like come out to be a thing until later, but it might also be that it's completely not a thing, and that adventuring is like a thing that happens, but it's not like right, people don't talk about it, mm. it's not a thing that people recognize as like a social institution,
0: yeah, um I should point out at this point depending on the genre of your campaign the less cliched starts are going to be like it's very like do you know what i mean mm, you know a if, little yeah you know like it's very difficult to kind of come up with a cliched start for a solid horror campaign and there are only so many um starts for a, a superhero based game for example you know that kind of thing it's like You know, people are more familiar with sci-fi in general and fantasy in general, and that's where most cliched game starts come from. Um, Though 90% of all post-apocalyptic campaigns start with, so you're out in the wastelands.
1: Hmm. Mm. There's also, um, uh, obviously, if you're playing something like Call of Cthulhu, Mm. then you all meet in a bar, depending on what era you've selected for your game and uh, where exactly in the world the game is set yeah. might be more contentious and opening than than, than expected because if, yeah, if your yeah. game is set during the era of prohibition in the United States yeah then obviously that implies a great deal not only about the setting itself but also yeah. about the characters who exist in that that um, start and you might find your players objecting if um, some of them just wouldn't go to a speakeasy
0: yeah Which, I mean, (laughs) if you know anything about history, kids, not many people did. uh, No, (laughs) I I can't
1: remember who it was. (laughs) But I told this story last time I played, uh, I I really don't remember who it was, who's quoted as like, he did a test, like he went to a whole load of American cities to see how long it would take him to find a drink. And it wasn't in, like, Chicago? It took him 17 seconds. No,
0: it was in New Orleans, because I New remember Orleans? this story. It was New Orleans. New yeah.
1: Orleans, it took him 17 seconds.
0: <laughs> yeah, he got in a right. taxi, and he, like, asked the cab driver if he knew where he could get a drink, and the cab driver driver just went, hey! He just
1: went, right here. Right here. <laughs> He's just like, God damn- <laughs> it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's amazing.
0: Yeah, like, yeah, look.
1: But still, yes. there <laughs> might be um, either... Uh, players whose characters would never be uh, seen in a speakeasy or who would but don't particularly want to start the game there because, you know, they kind of want uh, agency and control over, like, what kinds of speakeasy the characters enter and when and yeah. checking who sees them and stuff like that, which mm. might be relevant. Yeah. I mean, it's probably not because you're going to have, like, Cthuloid horrors coming after them very soon. And, yeah, uh, yeah the The laws of mere mortal men will soon be forgotten, one mm. thinks. But um, it's nice to allow them that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. So in and D, uh, yeah. yeah, like we're not, yeah.
1: we're not we're not we're technically not off topic there because no. we are supposed to be a general role playing podcast. Yes, but I think tr- like we we were
0: we were straying slightly. Uh, yes, I straying suppose.
1: slightly. I think um, in D and D and in other like fantasy role playing games, um, starting in a bar is there are a number of of cop out campaign beginnings, but definitely. Uh, Starting in a bar is yeah. the biggest one.
0: Well, I, like, I don't the mind starting in a bar. Me, the one
1: that I'll, annoys me, the, yeah. the the most is um, you're all part of the same mercenary group, which yes. is why uh, we did it in the the, <laughs> the skit at the beginning. but, yeah. but definitely um, you all meet in a bar is more more common than that. Um,
0: yeah. yeah, I don't I I will defend <laughs> the tavern start and say that it's quite um it's a like it is sort of a good way to kind of go right. This is generally what most of even, like, the people you're going to be into, you know, like, these are the working-class folk, probably, and this is generally, these are places that are, you know, you should get used to going into, and you should get used to going into taverns, especially if that's, like, part of the thing.
1: Yeah, so I've got, it, the fact that you're in a tavern yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you are a patron of the tavern, which yeah. is helpful, because presumably the reason why you're even there in the first place is to acquire... Um, information on quests that could be completed so that you can get paid if you're yeah. a merc- mercenary or um, just quests that can be yeah. completed for the good of the general populace if you're yeah. perhaps a uh, goody two-shoes paladin. Yeah. Although a paladin entering a, a bar is, is possibly slightly suspect.
0: I don't, I don't know like I, I also sort of feel a little bit defensive of paladins like drinking and having sex and stuff like that I'm just like look not every god is as this is, is true. Like it, <laughs> s- since
1: AD and D, um, the the things that paladins are and aren't allowed to do have diversified a lot. Yeah, that's that's very true.
0: Yeah, that's you know, paladins can Hell. have a drink if they want. You know, they don't. If you're drink a paladin, of, say
1: imashdaromar, it's basically expected.
0: Yeah, it's just like <laughs> you know, you should just drink responsibly. I th- I think in Two Earth, because drinking is such like so ingrained into the culture of particularly. Um, the central countries it's it's sort of like yeah it's expected but I, I don't think even like even a monk a monk would drink loads monk monks brew beer practically so it's like yeah there isn't really anyone who doesn't drink unless they object to it on a personal level um because I don't know maybe maybe I like drinking and that re- reflects itself in my game world Honestly
1: speaking as somebody who doesn't drink and never has, I actually do not like role playing people interacting with alcohol because it almost always goes like further in depth than like like I can knowledgeably speak about. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> no, like, it's,
1: e- either when I'm playing or I'm DMing, like somehow characters in the party will end up interacting with alcohol in Yeah some in-depth manner, and I'm like, oh,
0: God. Oh, shit, yeah. I have no idea
1: if I'm making this up.
0: Yeah, I I remember complaining So I was reading a fan fiction the other day, and I was complaining because a character kept buying separate... had bought seven glasses of wine, and I'm like, no one would do that. That's so expensive. If you drink a lot of wine, you know to just buy a bottle because it's cheaper that way. And then
1: I... Knowing as I do huge amounts about uh, drinking and how it is performed socially, uh, replied to your post asking who drinks wine in a nightclub.
0: (laughs) Which, to be fair, not a lot of people. But so so, presumably some people. But I don't think nightclubs pop very nice wine. Probably not. Uh, I don't. I don't know (laughs) if it's something that they're. they're, Now I've got uh... that
1: bit of that bit of um, hot fuzz in my head. Yeah. I mean, that I'm probably going to cut that out because that's kind of a spoiler for the plot of Hot Fuzz, which is a very good film that you yeah, should watch. Yes. Uh, so if me saying this now doesn't make any sense, it's because I cut out the thing that I said immediately after that.
0: Yeah. Um. But yeah, you know, m- meeting in a tavern. I think I'm. One of the reasons why I'm defending the tavern open is because technically that was my open for my campaign, but I felt okay with it because I had context for well, it. To be honest, though, that was not.
1: There. Like. You didn't start with no, you all no. meet in a bar. There was a pretty big lead-in.
0: For, yeah, yeah.
1: For like a number of the characters involved, like yeah. it wasn't done on playtime, but no. like we we did um, catalogue our journeys to um, the uh, yeah the, the city of Cranzenfort and yeah. how we would have ended up in that bar. Yeah, I mean. You're in good company for, like, people who probably don't have any business speaking out against cliched opens. Because if you remember, my campaign started with perhaps the uh, fourth or fifth worst offender on the list, You All Meet in Prison.
0: Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't
1: know. You All Meet in Prison is kind of good, because the one good thing about prison is that it says almost nothing about the people who get put in prison, because when you go to prison, like, the people who put you in prison don't really care about the kinds of people that you would hang around with. Yeah. You're going to your cell, and if your cell has other people in it, you're going to have to get along with those other people. Yeah. The bad thing is that it implies that you have, like, your characters have done something that would cause them to be arrested. Yeah. Um, so either something illegal or mm. in, like more corrupt regimes uh, something that pissed off the establishment
0: yeah which is is to an extent i think a good starting point for less experienced players but i think people who were like hey we're going to do a D &D campaign and they're already thinking of their character that can sometimes throw a bit of a spanner in the works but for people who are like oh i guess i'll play dungeons and dragons game and then they're like oh yeah and you've been put in prison they're like oh great I can come up with something. I, I've got a starting point for my character. What crime did they commit? Why are they in prison? Mm. You know. Those of
1: you who have played uh, the Elder Scrolls would know that the, the, that's actually like a, a tradition for them now. Yeah. Uh, that the Bethesda, like, I think they have actually come out and confirmed that it's like. Not a running joke, but like a yeah, like a, tr- a tradition, and they're always yeah. going to do it. That you will always be in the custody of law enforcement in some way at the start of the game. Yeah, and I did like that in Skyrim um, when you're on the abominably unskippable cart ride, <laughs> uh, the other people in the cart do actually like try and make some suggestion as to what kind of crime you might have committed, and in most cases it's like some sort of. Um, Fairly minor infraction. Yeah. Uh, Like, I always play Dark Elves in um, Elder Scrolls games. So what they suggested for me was that I had been attempting to... um... The thing I don't quite understand here is I had been, I think, attempting to immigrate illegally. So instead of ejecting me from the border, they caught me, brought me further inside (laughs) Skyrim and attempted to execute me. (laughs) Which doesn't make a huge amount of sense. No, yeah. But... I mean, like, it, the good thing about that is that it shows you that the severity of your crime is probably not... Like, it's not on the level of, like, yeah. um, you didn't murder anybody. Yeah, uh, You might subsequently go on to murder a lot of people because it's a fucking Elder Scrolls game, but you hadn't, up until that point been confirmed to murder anybody.
0: Yeah. I I do think that my issue mostly with the scarim opening is that it opens up in the most boring forest in the world. Like Scarum is so interesting and you can find so much shit and it just opens up in like the most boring bit of woodland ever.
1: I feel like once you get to Helgen yeah, it's kind of more evident that the reason that they did that is to try and show you that Helgen is like a backwards shithole that nobody like willingly <laughs> that's, lives in.
0: Yes, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Just
1: in the middle of fucking
0: nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: Even though it's like not honestly that far away from White Run.
0: Yeah, but I think why a lot of you know people don't like the prison openings because it's. It is very typical. And then, you know, you know what the first mission is going to be. It's going to be getting out of prison. It's going to be escaping.
1: Which is good for a DM because yeah. the DM is like, okay, these people are going to bond over their prison escape. They're going to have yeah. to work together and yeah. they might form connections that are strong enough to overcome, like, any natural animosities between them Yeah, long enough that they would, like, form lasting relationships and be able to continue on as a party without yes. having to worry about, my character would not associate with these people. Mm. Which can sometimes happen. Yes. And that's a fair concern. Yeah. But given the significance of the um, the opening to the campaign as a whole, I really feel like you could do better.
0: Yeah. I think,
1: yeah. Uh, I will try and be fair to myself. I have done two prison breaks as part of uh, the campaign I am currently running. And the one at the beginning is a lot more exciting and well-developed than the one that happened in the middle. Like, the one at the beginning is set in this giant, um, ridiculously architecturally designed um, death prison Mm. that is held together mostly by magic and perched on top of a tiny spire of stone uh, in the middle of a gigantic crater in the snowbound tundra south of civilization. So it's an interesting prison, at least uh as compared to the second prison break which was like basically a police holding cell yeah It was not very interesting at all it was mainly like the logistical means of of getting out of that prison that was mm. causing the player's difficulty rather than the horrors that they might be like the the prison itself in the, in the beginning of the game was essentially a dungeon
0: yeah which i think is the problem with a lot of prison starts is they're very basic designed Prisons, which I guess can kind of go a bit into, like, dungeon designing for a minute, but, like, like in fairness the to is, you, you know... Like, going thing
1: do if you're going to do the prison start, but you're also going to make the prison a dungeon, there kind of has to be a reason yeah. for it. Like, this is the entire game premise of The Legend of Grimrock. The whole idea yeah. is that you're in, like, a really sadistic prison that is also, like, an automatic execution machine. Hmm. But the idea is that if you manage to get out of the prison, then you earn your freedom. And there's like a weird caveat, um, I suppose slight spoilers, uh, vague spoilers for people who haven't finished Legend of Grimrock. There is a weird caveat involved in the dungeon, which makes the people who oversee it assume that nobody will ever get out alive. Um, Basically because if anybody ever does, the dungeon will stop working properly. So you think they they must assume that's like a thing that encourages the... uh, the players to go further into the into the prison, in the hope of getting out, uh, thereby securing their own doom by encountering the monsters that live in it. But honestly, the Legend of Grimrock plot is basically one of the only ones that you can pull without like having to bend over backwards to explain why there's like three levels of dungeon in your prison because otherwise yeah. that's not incredibly maintainable. No, so it's if that's not a good thing to have in your prison, who who would, who would have that? Who looks at a prison and thinks hmm? this could use more completely random and uh workplace hazardous threats that might kill the people I know. Uh, either staff or inmate I know it's it here. is a
0: health and safety nightmare mm. just waiting to happen which is what really wish take away it's like going. if
1: you stepped out like in a real prison if you stepped out like uh, into the the general common area uh onto like a life size version of the set of fucking robot wars <laughs> And that, that was just a thing that you had to deal with in your everyday life.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's just, like, a normal thing.
1: They just, just do that. Like, yeah, yeah. that's the kind of prison that you you're talking about if you want your prison to be, like, also a dungeon. <laughs> but also want it to be, like, a functioning prison. And uh, <laughs> I don't. I, in Dawn Summer, there is an explanation as to why this is the case, but it's not a particularly good one. I basically did the the Prison of Splinter because I wanted to like a location I could put a whole load of like Ravenloft shit in. Yeah. Uh, are there any other cliché openings? Um, I'm really, really not fond of you are all in the same uh, mercenary company mm. because I think that. And this may entirely be based on my perception of what a mercenary is, but I think that forces a lot of character development on the characters in question. Yeah. Pretty much immediately. Yeah.
0: How did you end up in this mercenary group? How do you feel about working for this mercenary group? Well,
1: like, first of all, it says. You are willing and capable of working with all of these people in a formalized professional relationship, yeah. which, depending on how you view such relationships, either means you don't have to like them as much, or you have to like them a lot more than you otherwise would. Mm. Or uh, it also means uh, you are prepared to accept money for killing people and endangering yourself. Yeah which is not necessarily the case at all, but there's a no. lot of, of character creation options for characters who are thrown into adventuring basically by circumstance mm-hmm. and just sort of can never get the momentum down far enough to leave, uh, which can work for, like, constantly progressing uh, campaigns. Yeah. Um, I think the thing that annoys me about this is that it basically wipes away any, like, non-professional character origin that you yeah. could have for your adventurers. Uh, It's like... This is your job. Mm. And I'm like, what if I don't want to have been thrown into adventuring, like, by it being my job? Yeah. What if I'm not cool with the idea that I would willingly consent to this being my job at all? What if I'm an adventurer, like... Like, for instance, um, Star Wars. Let's talk about Star Wars. Yeah. In Star Wars, which we talked a little bit about last week, so if you listen to that podcast and you haven't yet watched Star Wars, uh, we already spoiled it for you, so it's fine. Yeah. Um... Luke Skywalker decides he's going to go with Ben Kenobi to Anchorhead when he finds out that his aunt and uncle have been uh, murderized and turned to skeletons by stormtroopers because there's nothing left for him on Tatooine anymore. So he goes um, to answer, ostensibly to answer Princess Leia's message. To be honest, like the, that particular part of the start of the film seems to be like very tangentially, we're going to go and do this thing, but we're going to like faff around a lot on the way. Um, everything we do is ostensibly still in aid of this goal, but we don't talk about the goal that much. Mm. And it's like, okay, I mean, I guess I believe that. But so like, he he decides that he's going to go and do this because he doesn't really have any reason to stay on Tatooine, which he doesn't like. And um, in fairness, uh, the novelization of um, Star Wars A New Hope actually makes this a lot clearer because there is a scene in that that was cut from the final film which is where uh, Luke actually goes to Tosha Station and talks to his friend, Big Darklighter, who turns up later. Um, and, and Big says that he's going to leave the planet and join the Rebel Alliance, and, and Luke is having a whole load of like um, daydreams about not being a moisture farmer on Tatooine, essentially. So if you already start the game with Luke and Han and Chewie and um, Ben all on the Millennium Falcon and they're all flying around the galaxy doing Hans job and it's all of their job it's like what the fuck that's not that's not how star wars goes that's not and like it makes assumptions about the characters of Luke and Ben like Ben Kenobi wouldn't wouldn't do that wouldn't just like go around being a smuggler no that's not his deal yeah but if your DM starts out that way, it's like, well, I guess this isn't a job. Yeah. And yeah, you can come up with like some weird contrivance as to why exactly you're yeah. accepting money for doing this. Like maybe it's you need to go along with these people anyway, and you might as well get paid so you can eat on the way. But even then, it's like, no, that's not cool. I don't like um, you're all in the same mercenary group. I think it's lazy, and it really takes a lot of agency away from your players when it comes to um, character origins without them like bending over backwards to meet you.
0: Mm. Yeah.
1: So, we've whinged a bit about the problem. Yeah. What? What? What can you do instead?
0: Mm. I think there's always, um, and this requires a bit more work on your part, DMS. Mm. Uh, but that is what we do. It's work. It's the idea that there is a problem and or a mystery, and these people are going here specifically to solve it. Not necessarily all as a group, they just all happen to be interested in this one particular thing, and that does require a bit of work. It requires you to kind of know the characters and talk to your players and think, okay, well, what kind of start do I want to make?
1: Honestly, something you probably shouldn't be that afraid of doing is talking to your players before the campaign begins about exactly what kind of start they would like to have. Because remember, if your only basic requirement for them beginning the campaign is that they all have to be in roughly the same place and acquainted with each other before they can start working together mm. it's not particularly like taboo to like ask the players how they would like to meet up yeah and try and field some ideas from them until you try and pick like whatever's going to make the most people happy
0: mm, you know why would you be here what would bring you to a place like this um
1: now bear in mind of course that it would probably be remiss of us to talk about this subject without mentioning that we are aware that if somebody comes up with a new campaign opening, and especially if that campaign opening gets um, sanctified into a published scenario, and a whole load of people see it and think, oh, that's a good idea, that's better than all the clichéd stuff I've been doing, and start doing it, that opening itself will also become clichéd. Yeah. Like, this, <laughs> this is basically unavoidable. Yeah, uh, it's... And
0: that's you shouldn't the thing necessarily
1: of, you know... be, avo- like, be yeah. afraid of doing what everybody else is doing and, like, not yeah. being a special hipster self. I read an article. Well, I didn't read an article, actually. I read a headline of an obviously trash article from the Daily Telegraph recently yeah. that talked about uh, how avocados were no longer an amazing, uh, fashionable health food. And all I could tell from, like, reading the subtitles on the start of the article was that it what it was essentially saying is, avocados aren't cool anymore because <laughs> poor people can access them. <laughs> And I'm thinking, that's not, that's not, wow. <laughs> Fuck you, Daily Telegraph.
0: That does sound like something the Telegraph Which is not was particularly caught, surprising, yeah.
1: because the Daily Telegraph is a rag, let's be honest. Yeah,
0: the, the Daily Torygraph more like, God. I mean,
1: like, they try and maintain some decorum as a rag, but they're a fucking rag.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're not, they're not the worst. No. You know, they're not, they're not like the Daily Mail and the Sun that just straight up make shit up. I mean, I feel
1: like the Telegraph is largely for people who believe that too many poor people read the Daily Mail.
0: (laughs) Yes, yeah, you know, but it's it's you know like they've got a bit more honesty to them, but it's you know still. Mm. Yeah, Yeah, I work in a in a library, right? And there are certain papers that we've had to strike off, and we can't get any more because we feel they lie too much.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough.
0: Yeah. Daily Mail I, lies think, a huge I think I think we collect three newspapers and some local newspapers at this point, but three national newspapers we've agreed. Yeah, they probably tell the truth most of the time. So <laughs> <laughs> but, but we won't name any names, but mm. suffice to say, we don't get the Sun, we don't get the Daily Mail. Um, well, yeah, I, I
1: mean, that, I think that's a given. Yeah, we've probably uh, said enough.
0: Yeah, but you know, yes, we've, so, we've stricken some from our records.
1: So coming back to the original point, yeah, we do know that. These that whatever idea we come up with won't remain amazing and fresh and new forever.
0: And look, not all tropes are bad. Just because you're doing something that seems a bit cliched, it's not the worst thing in the world, because maybe the rest of your campaign is amazing and original, or or maybe you managed to turn this cliche and make it fresh and new. It certainly hasn't
1: hurt either of our campaigns too much. uh, No,
0: I don't think so.
1: So I think, with that in mind, if we're going to come up with a a new opening Mm. on this podcast... Yeah. Rather than attempting to do something that's just fresh and new in the sense that it hasn't really been done before. Hmm. uh, We should instead attempt to come up with an opening that addresses the problems that we see with other cliched openings. Because those cliched openings definitely have their strong points. Yeah. Like, we've, we've talked about how the tavern and the prison homogenize the experiences of the player characters so that they can expound on their backstories. Yeah. Which is good. Hmm. Um, and the I, I suppose that the benefit of the the mercenary um, company start is that it immediately contextualizes the actions of the PCs. Yeah, it's immediately this is something you are both willing and ready to do. Yeah. and you are searching for an opportunity to do it, and therefore party meets quest. So, yeah.
0: one of the ones that you've said you do when you introduce new PCs um, hmm. that I really liked is the sort of You've been trapped. You've been tra- oh,
1: shall I talk about the the, uh, the Dwarf Lord Mountains? Yes. Right. This is not a game start, but it is a character introduction. So maybe we can start with this. Um, mm. I ran a scenario in my Dawn Sombra campaign called uh, Whispers from the Stones, which is about the abandoned Dwarf Lord Mountains, which are... <sighs> in terms of design, think about the uh, the Dwarven city of Ozomar from Dragon Age. Now imagine it's the Mines of Moria, and it's just like completely deserted, and like nobody lives there.
0: Mm.
1: The major problem with this dungeon was that a lot of people were going to die in it, and that meant you had to introduce new characters, but the dungeon itself was a closed system. The doors shut when you come in, and the only way to get out is to go all the way through the dungeon and come out the other side. So it's like, how can you introduce new characters? In a system nobody is really supposed to be able to get into and i'm like well at the very beginning i can get away with like making characters slip down holes on the surface of the mountain and like tumble down into yeah. like shafts like appear from behind unseen walls confused as to how they have been stuffed into this horrible place and that's fine but later on further down it's like what if how, why would people suddenly appear here hmm and what I came up with, and this is something I had to talk to the players about first, because obviously it's a pretty big establishment of context on their character, so they have to be okay with it first. But what I did is essentially in 600 years before the scenario was run, mm. in the Dwarf Lord uh, mountain, in the, in the Citadel, yeah, in its final waning days, a, uh, a method of imprisonment, of punishment for crime, uh, which included trespassing uh, in that kingdom, was being turned to stone for about 10 days, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, Which was not really used so much as a, a, as a punishment, as more like, this gets this person out of the way until we can deal with them, because we've yeah. got some shit going on right now. Mm. And so what I decided is that every new character who came in above a certain level, uh, a level of the dungeon, rather, yeah, It was, you were petrified for ten days, and then like seven days later, the entirety of civilization within the Dwarf Lord Mountains collapsed. <laughs> and you were never unfrozen, yeah. as it were. Until now, 600 years later, where a group of adventurers comes along to the prison block that you've been uh, erected tastefully in, and finds the uh, stone-to-flesh wand that is kept in the supply cabinet. And starts trying to bring people back to life um, I thought that was very ingenious But obviously It immediately establishes some context on a character That again the player has to be okay with Like for a start You're 600 years old Yeah. At least, well more than that hmm. um, So your last memory of the world Is from over 600 years ago And obviously in Dawn But that is not huge Because elves can live that long But it's still pretty damn big uh, the most obvious um, discrepancy would be that the country of Meslin is younger than the people who have been petrified in that room. Mm. So when they come out, they'll have no idea that there's now a new country full of humans and dwarves yeah. in that big old <laughs> mint marsh that nobody wants to live in because it's shit. Yeah. Um, I also had like a an elf who came out of the stone, who was surprised upon returning to the Elven Empire to, to to find out that it had an emperor again, that the um, the Senate was no longer in control, and very angry to discover this. In fact, the fun thing that I I I always wondered was like, I have like three or four of these characters like this. Which of them is going to end up being Steve Rogers, and which is going to end up being Javik? <laughs> and I got answers to both those questions, so okay. I was very happy. Yeah. Um. So obviously that was a means of introducing. New characters.
0: Hmm.
1: What you could do is have that be like the entire um, uh, introduction of, yeah. of a... And it doesn't have to be in fantasy. You could do that in a sci fi setting uh, with cryonic freezing. Yeah. Uh, you could just have like all of you work. If anybody's. <sighs> Fuck, it's probably not a spoiler by the time I've got this edited. If anybody's been playing Fallout 4 recently, you know what I'm talking about. And to be honest, that's kind of fucked up. But it's funnier than I was expecting, especially when you go on and like talk about it to people, and they're yeah. like, "Oh shit,
0: oh, oh you've no. been away a long time."
1: Yeah, and you just like casually bring it up in conversation.
0: It's like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. From the, I'm,
1: I'm two hundred years old. Yeah, it's not
0: No big deal.
1: This place <laughs> looks largely like I left it, only dirtier and more radioactive.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, so yeah, you could definitely do that. Yeah. Um, admittedly, a modern-day game, less le- less achievable. Yeah. Um,
0: well, I mean... But
1: what you could then do is you could make... If you're going to have some, like, time travel shenanigans oh. in, your, in your game, you could have it that, like, maybe the six or whatever of you were just all in the same place at the same time and you're not even, like, connected. Uh, but you all get thrown forward in time or thrown backwards in time and now you're in... Like, you, you have to stick together, don't you? Because you're all yeah, yeah. displaced. You could do a whole load of things depending on what the context of, of the, the campaign is supposed yeah. to be.
0: You know, superhero games, I can think of multiple characters who've been cryogenically frozen and Uh in various different ways. Sometimes have been. Uh,
1: cryonically frozen.
0: Cri- yeah, sorry, cryonically frozen. Cry- cryogenics
1: deli- is for um, bits of people that are. Dead. Ah, right. Uh, cryonics is the like fantasy or at least that's what i was told by a woman who probably should have known that that was the case if it is not the case uh, please write to me and i will attempt to find out who that woman was when she came to my school and uh, yell at her for teaching children things that are wrong
0: (laughs) anyway so when so basically you get put on ice you know i can think of you know multiple characters that that's happened to some of them on purpose like bucky uh, some of them by accident, like, Captain America. America. Um, I mean, that's really only two I can think of right now, because my mind's went a bit blank. I'm sure there's, like, a DC character who's been, like, frozen in ice spheres. I'm pretty sure Cave Boy is a caveman who was, like, frozen. You mm. know, whatever. There have been characters who've had their brains inserted into robots later on. There's a lot of stuff you could do with, like, superheroes, because superheroes is... Superheroes you, is superheroes. You could yeah. do the
1: plot of uh, "We're Back: A Dinosaur Story," but please don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> that movie doesn't make any fucking sense.
0: <laughs> uh, Ang from um, "The Legend of Aang, Avatar. He got pot on ice. He did, didn't he? He was That's a little... basically
1: the only thing I know about Avatar. I've seen it, like yeah. images of him being like pulled out of a giant ice crystal or something. Yeah. So that's probably the case.
0: Yeah. Um, Um, But that's one I remember, yeah. Oh, here's
1: another one, if we're going to be mucking around with time travel. Uh, Sarkhan Vol from Magic the Gathering. Not Sarkhan the Mad, or um, Sarkhan the whatever the shit he was in Cards of Tarkir. Time orphaned Sarkhan from After Fate Reforged, where he goes back and he stops Nicobolus from killing Ugin, and that means that the dragons don't die out which means that his childhood is completely different and Sarkhan is going to grow up to be a different person and possibly not even be a planeswalker. Probably not, actually. But original Sarkhan, who did the time travel thing, still exists and is now now back in Dragons of Tarkir continuity, which is very weird. Hmm. Like, I didn't... He's just he's just there and he even calls himself an orphan of time. <laughs> so if you're gonna have time travel shenanigans, maybe these six people were all involved in some kind of time travel experiment, and now they are like orphans of time, and there are other versions of them out there who lived completely different lives or something.
0: Yeah. Uh I think can I talk about Dragon Edge for a minute?
1: I mean if it's relevant, sure.
0: So Dragon Age Two has a lot of—it's a problemed game, but I like the story and I like how non-clichéd it is. Cause it's not about you know, Dragon Age Inquisition and Origins to an extent are subversions of the Chosen One narrative, aren't they? Really? I suppose. Yeah, just by misfort—like chosen by misfortune, essentially. Dragon Age Two, you are a refugee. You have left you, have been displaced from your home because it isn't safe anymore. Now, that does sort of run into the idea of you're giving your play characters already an inbuilt backstory of it wasn't safe for them to stay home. But I think that kind of makes sense, especially for a low level camp, you know, where you're starting at level one. It would make sense that you wouldn't stick around in a place that was dangerous and you would want to go to a different country and it gives them an unfamiliar area to want to explore, and it, it gives them a reason to adventure and get to know people and travel around.
1: So what you're saying is that players could be refugees? Yeah. That's that's a, another one that we could have. Yeah. And then it doesn't really matter what your um, background is, No. because you're still a refugee. Yeah. And, and it's very good, I think, for if you're level one, because then it's like, okay, these people are not incredibly powerful, so they've had to leave their homeland or homelands to mm. come to this place.
0: Yeah, and you know, and especially if and for the DM, it's good because you already have a bit of war building. There's, of sorry, world building. There's obviously a conflict or a war or a reason why they can't go back home right now,
1: and a reason why they would need to stick together as a community. And yeah. therefore, if they strike out on their own as a
0: party, yeah,
1: that's that's good.
0: Yeah, it's it's not not a not a bad start to you know. So you know um so
1: what are the issues that we really want to address with whatever we're going to come up with we don't like the lack of acknowledgement of the agency of the players and the backgrounds of the characters that are inherent in many of the cliched game beginnings so it's difficult really to come up with like a a uh, an opening Mm. because honestly obviously the best opening will try and interweave the existing backstories of, of the characters that you've come mm. up with into yeah. the, uh, the narrative.
0: Mm. I always like the idea of um, perhaps the opening of um, for whatever reason you're all together, maybe you all come up with that collaboratively, but the reason why you are adventuring is because of something bad the PCs have done in their past and they're on the run from it. But or I would expect... Or maybe even that Suicide would be a Squad. Very, yeah, Suicide Squad. <laughs> you, you,
1: you, you could just be fucking suicide squad then you have to work together because yeah. otherwise you'll get murderized.
0: yeah um, you could be for an evil campaign you could be the secret six uh, you all have to work together because you're the only villains who disagreed with teaming up together as villains mm-hmm. which I, I think would be really good yeah we're the only six people who don't want to team up with the big bad so work Gonna be our own thing. I you... guess we made a super hi- super villain team by accident. Whoops!
1: If anybody has ever read the Quantum Prophecy, yeah, you know that fucked up thing that you learn that they ha- that happened like two thirds of the way into the book. If your players all work together, they could be that. Then that's a perfect explanation for why they have to work together even though ostensibly they hate each other and some of them might be evil and some of them might be good, except possibly they're all evil. Mm-hmm. Or maybe if you want to flip it on the, the, its head, they're all good instead, and that was the, the grand plan. Yeah. But in any case, they're, they're keeping this massive secret from the world. Um, yeah. Obviously, that works best in like a superhero campaign, because then you don't yeah. really have to change the context very much, but you could probably modify it to fit a number of other things. Although uh, uh-huh. the obvious problem with that is that the player characters, for that to be believable, do generally have to be very high level.
0: Mm -hmm. i think another one is um though this only works for i think the problem with this one is that it assumes that no but everybody has to play a younger character and it's you're all in school together Mm. um you know you're all in magic academy or you're all in military school or a thief school you know you're all you know summer camp summer camp you're all in you know or it's, uh, it's Hell Week and you're all going to join um, a sorority. I don't know. I don't know, but it's you are young people entering something, like an academy or summer camp. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. You could also
1: have... Um, like, Obviously the easiest way to just completely ignore the backstory but not like deny it or anything is to have all of these characters randomly be in the same place and then have something happen that makes them have to stick together. Mm. Um... It could be some kind of like cataclysmic event,
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, like the attack of Kavach from the Elder Scrolls of Oblivion.
0: Yeah,
1: that was pretty fucked up.
0: Yeah, um, a- another one could be you're all trapped in a place together. Yeah. Um, and you must, and you are the only people sufficient enough to s- break the trap and free everyone, or or free yourselves from this situation. Um,
1: Do we want to try and pin down some concrete examples? Um, what
0: in like fiction?
1: Like, no, I mean just like like try and come up with some. Yeah. Uh, obviously, I think the best the best one the kind of one would be the one that would take into account everybody's background. Yeah. Uh, so definitely the uh we have we have assembled a uh a super team of <laughs> not the best of the best, but somebody from from every <laughs> discipline represented here. Yeah. Um. Which, like, helps with the the class disparity, mm. where it's just like you know we've we've put yeah. together this uh, crack team of up and coming adventurers.
0: Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Assemble uh, the Avengers, essentially. Yeah, yeah. I, except I, the I shit think...
1: Avengers who are level one and have not yes. had a huge amount of experience yet. So, it's oh, but like, like someone
0: someone sees your potential, though. Someone has looked at you and went, "They could be the hero that Gotham deserves. Why not? Let's give them a shot." Sure. Um. <laughs> you could do it like uh how the um I say Teen Titans, but how the group in Young in the Young Justice cartoon starts, which is literally you're all sidekicks and you've decided to just break off and start your own group together because you're sick of um your uh, dad heroes like being asses all the time to you and you want a bit of fucking appreciation.
1: Ooh, modern day campaign uh opening. <laughs> All of you are contestants on a game show up until when filming is about to start, something horrible goes wrong. And like most of the audience and the camera people and the presenter are all killed and you have to work together to make your ways out of the building.
0: Oh, poor Alexander Armstrong. That would be an awful episode of Pointless.
1: I love how Pointless is the game show you immediately went to in that. (laughs) Although I suppose it does have a fairly good variety of people on it.
0: No, but like, 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 could you, could you imagine, like, um, it's all like starting, like, zombies running around, like, killing everyone, but like, they're kind of like, semi- like, they're, like, they're like, they're like the Deadites from like Evil Dead, and then it's like, and then Alexander Armstrong's like, who's making it? So let's see, who's making? So answer to who's making it out of here alive? And then it just like goes down, and goes all the way to zero, and he's all like, oh, and then they all, yeah, and then like all the zombies run around and start killing everyone, and like.
1: I can't remember if Pointless is serialized in like North America or whatever. It might be that people have no idea what we're talking about.
0: You know, and then like, I feel Richard, like it isn't. You know, like Richard Osman's just like a head, um, but like he's still like able to be on the computer or whatever. It's like a head and like some arms on. You like watch
1: the way more Pointless than I do.
0: I know, I know, I know.
1: Possibly uh, it comes from you owning a television.
0: Yeah, and, and another good one would be a Deal or No Deal. Um, Noel uh, Fielding. North fielding opens the box and, like, I don't know, like uh, a headcrab just, like, mm. latches on it. he was like, ah, and then, like, e- I mean, like everyone's, like, like, running around.
1: The most obvious one for the characters is having, like, some prior experience with each other as being in the Big Brother house, but then you yes. have to, like, work with the stipulation that every player character is a total wank.
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Which might not be what your players want.
0: <laughs> it's, the, it's the first show of the X Factor Live of the, it's the first live final of the X factors And like
1: everybody in like like waiting to go on stage is like the only people not killed. Yeah. It's that's definitely the definitely the case.
0: Yeah, you're all in a Glee club and you're in Britain's Got Talent and then you go on like, stage and everyone is dead and it's just like ah. Yeah, and yeah then, that's like, great because
1: then you're all in a school club, so it's yeah. like you don't have to like each other.
0: Yeah, and then like they're like. And then like Dead Eye um, Simon Cowell, Dead Eye Amanda Holden. I don't know if Amanda Holden's still on Britain's Got Talent. They're, like Dead Eye David Williams, they all like press the buzzers as like an X, and then they're all like no, eat them, and then they're all like ah. and then like who makes it out alive? Time to fight for your life, kids. I don't know why I went with a zombie campaign. I I, I
1: feel like you're getting like way more into setting the scene of this beginning than its utility <laughs> as like the start of a role playing campaign.
0: <laughs> just like the idea of like popular celebrities um as like semi intelligent um
1: Slavering Undead.
0: Slavering on dead, yeah.
1: Okay. Sure. I don't know.
0: It's just it just appeals to me, I think. Um you know. Sure.
1: Um of course this all of this only applies in cases where the premise of the relationship between the players does not have to be forced by the circumstance of the like setup of the campaign. Yeah. Obviously in cases where it's like you're all um soldiers working for Is that how Delta Green starts? I've never played Delta Green so I don't know if that's the case but Presumably, like, you all work for the, the same people. Yeah. If you were going... I've seen a, a number of people suggest that they want to play uh, play games based on people working for um, Secure Contain Protect, which honestly oh, sounds yeah. like a shitty campaign because you know you're either going to die or something fucked up will happen to you. Yeah. If you're lucky, you get put on detail with, like, my favorite SCP, which is the Italian restaurant that makes people act out shitty plays where people might die. <laughs> Go and look that one up. It's really good and like yeah. it's not honestly all that scary. It's just really well written, I think. Yeah. Um, so like obviously, and also I think we've talked about this vaguely before, like the idea of a a game where it's on television and like you're the presenters yes. of the television show. <laughs> uh, in that case, either you all like each other, or you're like um Adam and Jamie from the MythBusters, and you have like a professional working relationship, but you don't really like get on that well outside of work. Mm. Um, but that would be up to the players to decide, but their relationship is already decided just because that has to be the context. The whole reason that the cliched beginnings to other games are contentious is because that doesn't necessarily have to be the context at all. It's very, very open to be a context because it's assumed that this is a normal thing that people do, and there are any number of ways it could start. So, what else could you have? Hmm. Generally, I've found with my limited experience with Traveller that you can divide everybody in a traveler party into one of two groups. Well, technically one of three groups. There's the person who owns the ship, the people who work for the person who owns the ship, and the people who are taking passage on the ship that the person owns. And that those three categories basically cover everybody's reason for being on the ship in the first place, uh, unless you want to go for something like Star Trek. Mm. But it's like, if you just want to be like a at the start you want to be like a normal um, passenger cargo vessel mm. it makes perfect sense that you would have people who are just on your ship this applies uh, to 7th Sea as well mm-hmm. um, and presumably any other uh, system that involves like commercially travelling uh, boats or spaceships mm-hmm. um, either you're a civilian or you're a member of like whatever military detail is on the ship like mm-hmm. the navy or whatever not in the Navy because like you don't you don't travel civilians on you either uh, work for the ship or you don't yeah, but both uh, kinds uh, of yeah. people have a have a reason to be on it.
0: Here's an idea. you're all in a place that's about to be the scene of a heist or a murder or something and it's quite a bit like obviously this requires like a scenario but there's like multiple roles that the character could take up then are they a guest? Uh, are they doing the robbing? Are they um, are they murdering, or are they, you know, working here for the night, or something like something similar to that? Like that's not going to work for every scenario, like, but it it, it all is right, good. Alright, assume,
1: assume everybody in the party is the other ones doing the heist. Why are you doing the heist? Yeah, do you, you enjoy you doing crime, or do you perhaps owe a lot of money to a crime boss who wants you to do a job for him, and you yeah. don't really have any choice if you don't want to get murdered? I feel that would work very well in Shadowrun. Yeah. Because Shadowrun oh, yeah, is about that is a great like, shadow the world run opening, being a shithole. Yeah. Shit hole. <laughs> yeah. Where you do um, just randomly owe lots of money to people you would rather not commit crimes for.
0: Yeah. Um, tonight someone dies. You're, you've you all been... Um, you're all in a place and somebody's dead and you have to solve the murder. Why are you there? Were you working there? Were you there on a heist and it went wrong and someone's now dead? Pluto. Cluedo. Cluedo. Exactly, you are a disparate Cluedo.
1: number of people who are all invited to a party... <laughs> Uh, because the connection that you all have is the person who got murdered. Uh, possibly, you've never even met each other before, and you don't mm-hmm. like each other. But you have to work together to solve the murder, and then some contrived circumstance will cause you to work together further from that. Yes. Maybe you uncover uh, that uh, this this uh, murder was was part of some sinister plot that you can't go to the police about. And yeah. Then you have to solve it yourselves. I mean, that that could be a good start for like a a um, detective or crime uh, campaign.
0: You've all been selected to be the sacrifices of a cult.
1: Yeah, maybe. Um, you all independently woke up from the Matrix. <laughs> it, it doesn't have to be the Matrix, but no, assume yeah, that yeah. like a large cross-section of humanity is in some way like kept in stasis or something, and like mm. just the six of you woke up. Mm. And because you can't wake anybody else up, you've basically got a deal with each other, which is kind of similar to the whole like waking up from being chronically frozen or turned to stone yeah. thing, but mm. again, throw these people together out of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Honestly, there is a reason why um, the cliches that don't really say anything about the characters of the characters are popular.
0: Yeah, uh, You've all fell down a rabbit hole.
1: Are we like going full Alice in Wonderland here?
0: Well, not necessarily, but you've all, you know, you've went from one world into another and that leads to some very interesting things you know where did what was the what you know did you come from our world did you come from a different world how did you fall down the hall you know but it doesn't necessarily assume anything about your background other than maybe you're a bit clumsy
1: you are all the survivors of a shipwreck yeah uh possibly multiple different shipwrecks if you're on like a desert island or something Mm -hmm. Um, if you
0: yeah if you want to go a bit magical or mystical you were all born on the uh same hour of the same minute of the same day and your destinies are just always going to be intertwined and you will always forever run into each other perhaps that is going into chosen one territory a bit but you know you're all fated at some point to be connected with each other
1: i feel like you're trying to slot sensei into this podcast but I've never am i watch trying Sense8, to fl- slot so i don't Sense8... know if that's like the the, the premise I mean, of sensei that,
0: that no that is actually the premise of sensei yeah sure but... you're all sensei why not <laughs>
1: I mean, that would be some funky gameplay.
0: <laughs> that would be, fu- yeah, that'd be fucking weird. Um, um, I think you can make it work, but it'd be interesting, um, to say the least.
1: Uh... I mean, going back for a moment because I feel we didn't mention this at the time to the whole—you're um, all brought together by some form of organised crime attack being committed in a public place. Yeah. If if you as a DM are going to have your players all play like um, the victims holding out inside from like a terrorist attack or a heist. That's another one of those things that we mentioned in, like, episode 8, was it? Was it? The, I, I don't remember. Whichever episode had that warning on it where we were like, check, everybody is cool with this before you start. Because oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. that's a pretty harrowing thing, man.
0: That's, yeah. That is
1: that is a real thing that happens to real people and is generally pretty scary when it's happening. And it's like, like maybe it would be cool to roleplay, but you should maybe check that like nobody's yeah. going to be severely freaked out by, by trying to play that Um uh,
0: the first time round i think yeah. just as a courtesy yeah i think high level campaigns greatly benefit from avengers assemble um
1: you yeah, know, well, the, well, yeah yeah it, like is all cliche, you. it is
0: cliched but it it is again well you it, know. it
1: acknowledges the backgrounds of the character if yeah. you are doing like a one shot but at high level it's great because yeah. then it's like okay all of these people are ostensibly like proficient in their field, but because they don't actually have a lot of like played background it can be assumed that generally the way i do it is these people are very high level which means that they're very proficient but because they were just created as characters and they don't really have a huge amount of like background for them, they didn't get to be that proficient by doing anything like mm. amazing or um, story worthy, yeah. which means that compared to other adventurers in terms of like being assembled like the Avengers, they're very accessible. Yeah. You can actually get hold of them because they aren't off going like restoring the Goblet of Kings to the uh, chalice socket in the ice wastes or whatever. They're just, like, (laughs) going around um, completing, Uh like, pest control and and guard duty and uh, probably, like, more momentous things than that. But even then, it's, like, Mm -hmm. local stuff that they could be picked up for. And um, actually, that was the premise of my 12th level, um, The Fortress of Carvehill Halloween uh, scenario which was that all of you people have been hired by um Tephoran the uh, administrator mm. for your variety of skills and it's like mm. the um the charlatan had convinced people that he was like this great archaeologist who could identify artifacts that came out of the mine which was a thing that needed to be done because they kept digging up archaeological sites and there's the monk who was the cartographer and you got a guy who was just like part of the um of security but maybe like the head of security mm. or something of that sort and you you could have all of those different roles then be filled by people who have stories of their own mm.
0: um so yeah i think we've thrown out a lot of ideas but i think ultimately if you as the dm have a really strong idea for what the first thing your characters are going to the first mission the first scenario you're going to throw your characters into or even if you
1: have a long-term idea of how the the campaign is going to play out Think about the things that are happening independently of the PCs yeah. in, in that campaign, and then think what side effects of these things happening might cause a very disparate and possibly you know animosity-filled group of random people to be just assembled. Mm. Maybe you know, the but... players want to know each other before they start. That's cool yeah. also. Uh, that's, yeah. But then you can think, okay... Would these happenings attract a group of people who already know each other and are prepared to work together? The is yeah. probably yes.
0: Yeah. But you know, ultimately, the sort of stronger idea you have for the beginning, the better that you you can kind of lead your opening initial meeting into that scenario, I think. Um, you know, if you're if you're gonna start with I want to start with a heist maybe, okay, well maybe they...
1: Maybe it's a train robbery. Maybe, Maybe all yeah, of you are passengers rob- on a yeah. train.
0: Yeah, all of you passengers on train. Yeah, and
1: you're the people who step up, and then you have to like solve the train train robbery, and then you have to report the train robbery to the police when you get back to the end, and then you go on to like the whole whatever is it, whatever else is going on.
0: Yeah, uh, and one of the great things about players, not necessarily player characters, but players are always going to want to take action. Hopefully, they're always going to want to be involved in the story. Hopefully. So,
1: if they don't, they're generally going to be pretty insistent about not taking action, and their inaction will also be significant, yeah, at least at some point, yeah um, if you're the d m it's probably best to force their inaction to be significant sooner rather than later because it will happen, but it might yeah. not happen in a timely manner, <laughs> yeah, if you don't like give it a bit of a push
0: yeah, so it's 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 just one of those things that. You know, players generally want to have an effect on the world that you create. Mm. Um, and it's good to show them that. <laughs> you know. So, uh, yeah. I think, you know, we've, we've said some ones that we don't like. And we've said, thrown out some ideas that we do like. And I think in summary, what what would you say, Alex?
1: I say, if you're running a superhero campaign, you could do that thing that some superhero movies do now. Where, like, you assume that they're all like part of the same team or have answered the same call and you just drop them right into a boss fight with like a minor villain in their lair <laughs> just like, as the cold open. I think that's us.
0: I think that is us, yeah. So, um,
1: uh, yeah. Um,
0: remember, any questions you want to ask us for the Q&A, pop them below, send them to us on Tumblr or Twitter. Uh,
1: yeah, mm-hmm. all of those things would work. Um, you can send me actually don't send me an email don't don't do that no no don't no. Do that.
0: No. please
1: please don't it would be convenient yeah. but i'm not no if you've no, been infected
0: no. with the chat function on tumblr certainly feel free feel free to Jesus use the chat function fucking on tumblr Christ,
1: why are they... <laughs> yeah sure you can send like both of us have it i know both of us have it now <laughs> cuz i got it and i gave it to beth
0: yeah
1: uh, which sounds like some sort of yeah, my, tu- my my
0: Tumblr dash has been itchy all day, Alex. Mm. God damn it. Or at least
1: that um, Reverend and the Makers song about the STD. Yeah. Which never explicitly references the fact that it's about an STD, but like yeah. it, it doesn't make sense if it's not about an STD. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Um,
1: yeah. So, yeah, uh, you can contact us on Twitter and Tumblr. I am Cleaver Crumish. Mm-hmm. That is spelled below, as always. Beth is Baroness Banff.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, And that's both on Twitter and on Tumblr.
1: Yeah. um, Uh, You can use a hashtag, House of Bards, on Twitter. mm. Obviously, use uh, all one word, but if you're somewhere that allows tags to be more than one word, then split it up into Mm. words, because that's what we will check.
0: Yeah, so, you know, topic suggestions, questions, or if you make us anything nice. Yes. Um, uh, Do send it to us, we would like to know.
1: I've noticed recently that a couple of people have started tagging the two of us into, like, things that are vaguely relevant uh, on yeah. twitter and tumblr that is also uh-huh. cool especially yeah. if there could be a, like a, a topic that comes out of it yeah definitely yeah. definitely keep doing that uh the music as always was by kevin mcleod and the credit for whatever background image i'm going to use is down below <laughs>
0: A killer lot comes at you,
1: <laughs> and you're like, "Oh shit! Sir so Killer Lot's going to try and murder me before breakfast again." <laughs> I sure do hate being in prison, and I will be a reformed citizen when I get out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you, wanna, you try and go play pool in the common room, you have to fight Matilda. God, <laughs> oh, like, you like
1: you, you like go and line up for your uh, your meagre meal, and like you sit down at the table, and they're like, "Oh, did you hear about Big Buzzer?" Sergeant Bash finally crushed him to death. (laughs) He only had three months left on his sentence, it's very sad. (laughs)